0: Hello, I'm your host, Ian Gibbs. Welcome to the Learnability Show. We human beings have been cooking since the dawn of time. And many of the foods that we eat today, like bread, sausage, or beer, have recipes dating by thousands of years. So when it comes to learning to cook, where does tradition meet innovation? Today we talk to the academic director of one of the newest cookery schools in Spain, the CIB, Culinary Institute of Barcelona. To hear more about it and what makes the CIB one of the leaders in culinary innovation, let's have a big round of applause for Francesc Balaguer. Welcome, Francesc.
1: Hello! Nice to be here.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much for being on the show. As I just mentioned, you are the academic director of CIB, the Culinary Institute of Barcelona. What we're going to be talking about today is food, creativity, the modern way of learning. But could we please start by actually looking a little bit of your backstory? Could you just briefly guide us through your education and how you got to where you are at the moment?
1: Okay, we should go some years ago, actually more than 20, when I had the, the, the exam to go to the university, I didn't got the grade that I was expecting to do biology. Then my second option was a primary school teacher. So I went to the primary school teacher without being my first choice and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the three years at the university studying and understanding how uh, you should teach in a primary school. So I finished this degree and I started psychopedagogy. It's a, a kind of a master's would be now where I had the opportunity to learn in a deeper way the psychologist part of the learning and the theory of the learning and that gave me more information and more details about the processes in general not just what you have to do inside the class more about the brain more about the behavior and the, the ecosystem itself so i really enjoyed i really enjoyed this two more years that i decided to do the the phd on education but then I had clear that my PhD would be on transforming education. <laughs> I spent five years there, uh, receiving this type of very directional type of learning. And I decided that if I would spend four years doing the PhD, my PhD should help teachers to do their work in a different way. And at that time, technology was rising in the use in educational environment. So I decided it was my hobby the use of internet, creating websites and playing around with internet. So I decided to mix my passion and my interest, my professional interest into the PhD and how technology could support teachers in their teaching and learning processes. So I spent four years specifically on the use of weblogs, how weblogs can support the interaction, teacher and a student, the reflection and the connection with other environments and with other teachers and other students and other schools or institutions. My thesis is available for free to download, but I would say that now it's um, old-fashioned already, right? (laughs) So I finished the PhD and it was time for uh, economical crisis. And then at the university said, okay, we really like you, but you don't have a job in this university. Then I decided to move on and I took a gap year and again, trying to make sense of my decision, I applied my interest in education into the gap year, designing a trip around the world, looking for those places that from a child I would love to visit and always with the, the sight and the intention of learning experience. So I had been traveling for 16 months, um, visiting a lot of people, uh, visiting schools, visiting friends of my friends, playing with the six six degrees of separation theory in each country. And I wrote a book, I did crowdfunding, and I learned a lot during that process. And when I returned, it was time to start looking for a job. But then I moved to Brazil because... uh, I find a girlfriend, she was from Brazil, so she moved and we moved there for three years. I spent three years in Brazil doing an entrepreneurship project from Barcelona. So I was working um, remotely from Brazil for a project that we created here in Barcelona. And that was the starting of my professional career, always trying to look for ways of education could be different. Okay, I stayed with uh, team labs in the lane program for one year here in Barcelona when they were just beginning. Then I move on to uh, innovation consultancy in the educational department, working with some different projects. After that, I did some freelancing educational projects. And then I find a job opportunity about a culinary school where um, the claim was that they wanted to create a new school from the scratch and that the project was looking for someone related to the pedagogy, not to the culinary world, that could be in charge of developing this um, vision of a new methodology for a new school. How a new school should be and what we will be creating. So that was very uh, interesting, the, the job uh, advertised that I really applied and then from there I started uh, from the beginning so we created a school um, if you want we enter now in this in this part of the story.
0: You've covered a vast amount of stuff that which I would love to come back to because you've raised a few fascinating things already but let's get on to the, the CIB the Culinary Institute of Barcelona. new innovative school that you've been involved with creating from the beginning. Now, I was looking on the the website there, and it says, imagine a school where you can find Bill Gates or Frida Kahlo in the bathroom. So (laughs) that's just good enough a a springboard to start with. Let's take it what that means and why CIB is innovative and really a, a real, place of learning for the 21st century?
1: Okay, the dimension the of having these people in our bathrooms is the, an example of an artifact that helps us to create a culture, a different culture, the type of culture that we want. So what we did was um, print a big vinyl sticker on the door of each uh, bathroom with different Influential people that we consider that it's interesting to to be close and to be thinking about and to be inspired for. So, in the women's bathroom, we have five or six types of uh, different women: Rigoberta Menchu, scientists, technologists, and in the men's bathroom, we have others: entrepreneurs, uh, scientists, or important people that we consider that. Uh, seeing them every day can help us to be inspired for what they did, what they achieved, and this is just an example of an artifact that we use to create this sense of what we want to to show and to be involved, right?
0: I'm sure Bill Gates would be well impressed if he knew that he was inspiring your students in the bathroom of the Culinary Institute of Barcelona. So, apart from the inspirational figures in the bathrooms, what makes CIB different?
1: First of all, the idea, it was to create a school from the scratch. And the culinary world was the easiest topic that we could get because of the access to the, to the context, to the professionals, and to the, the, the deeper knowledge that we could get from the three founders. Josep, Ferran and Pep that they were already uh, working and teaching in different schools and a lot related to the culinary world. So they chose this topic, but the idea was to create a school, how a school should be. So all the design of the methodology, the building and the, the processes that we are working on could be applied to other topics. So being said that, we use uh, the culinary wall also because it's easier to apply what you are learning. It's a way of you can apply creativity in a more easy way, maybe than other areas or subjects. And it already facilitates some processes and some interactions and some practical Uh, staffs. So the methodology tries to bring all these hands-on participative methodologies that puts the student into the center and that creates different types of learning experiences with different scenarios, always in order to facilitate the student to find a way to apply creativity to solve problems and create their own proposals.
0: When we talk about a culinary institute when i when i saw the the name i thought well it's 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 a cookery school you you learn to do things i don't know uh, bake cakes make bread do pasta etc and these are all pretty traditional dishes i i know that if you tried to come up with an innovative way of doing pizza the italians would get extremely upset about that um, you know, and if if you tried to change the recipe for haggis, then that would, you know, it's, it's not exactly what I would think of myself as something that involves creativity and innovation. But, for instance, I would, again, some of the courses that you offer at the, the Culinary Institute have titles, things like Advanced Pastry and Chocolate Fire cuisine and low temperature cooking, molecular gastronomy, and integrative healthy cooking. So one of the first questions that I've got to ask is, how do you combine this idea of preparing food where people really have an expectation that this is what it's got to be like, and yet the idea of creativity and innovation, where where does that fit together?
1: So we did our research on how other schools work and traditionally traditionally, we know that the culinary schools base their teaching on teaching how to replicate and how to do in the best way the recipes, okay? They have a, a high topic or a high uh, famous recipes and they want that the students perform and manage to do in a perfect way these recipes so we tried to change this paradigm so we don't we don't teach recipes we teach why the things that are behind the recipe the processes the products the techniques applied to there are happening what's the result that that's behind those processes and that's what we teach we teach the students why if you put a tomato in a low temperature what happens what happens with uh with the meat what happened with the meat if you put it at 50 degrees at 60 at 80 what what's the reason of the applying different techniques to give them the understanding to be able to create whatever they want so they are able to follow a recipe they are able to replicate recipes that they found on internet but we understand that internet is full of videos showing you how to follow a, a recipe so we want them to be further than that to understand and to to understand what they can change what they can do differently if they want to achieve different results or if they have a different problem how they can apply the understanding of these processes to look for these uh, objective the results or invent or create something new. So we teach them the basis of the culinary world that are common in the Western culture. They understand and they learn how to do basic things, like the soups, the salsas, and everything else. But from there, they try to apply it and to modify it and to play with the product, the technology or the context in different axes that give them a wide range of possibilities that will match the result or the objective that they are looking for.
0: Just to get a context here then, because you talk about classes, you talk about the Institute... How many students do you have in one course? Are we talking about just a few dozen? Are we talking about hundreds?
1: The topics that you mentioned before, they are the specialization courses that takes three months. Those courses start every four year, four months, Sorry, three times a year. September, January and May, we start a new course of specialization courses. And then we have the How to Cuisine Chef program that takes one year that goes from zero to a professional chef uh, itinerary. And this is like the, the bigger program that we have that can continue up to two years or four years if you add more specializations after that. This program usually have around 30 students per call the specialization courses are up to 16 students. And as we are receiving new students every four months and some ones are leaving, now we are moving around 100 students per quarter that are continuously arriving and and leaving. So at the end of the year, we would have around 250 students. And from the beginning until now, we had been growing so we expect that we the, at the end of this year we will be around 300 students and we hope to to keep growing
0: i don't know if it's possible to answer this question but if you have a i don't know a typical student doing your most popular basic course what's the what's a typical day like what time do you start, what are they doing, you know, do they set things on fire, do they stay as long as they want, you know, what's, what could a, a typical student expect from their first month with you?
1: This is also interesting because uh, related to the methodology it also changed the way they are used to do long learning programs because we don't have linear subjects that starts, and every Monday from 8 to 10, you have this subject, and then every Monday, every Monday. We have subjects that help us to, to put together some content, but we want to move away from the subjects. So during the week, they have different activities, and every week is different. The week repeats structure of scenarios to help us to move the groups and to organize the place but the content is different every week. So a regular day would start at eight in the morning and they finish at two in the afternoon. So six hours per day, divided in four slots of one and a half hours. And we have three breaks in the middle where it's like free time, coffee break, where always we play music from a Spotify list that um, shows the end of the session and the the break time. (laughs) and uh, usually the afternoons are uh, free time for them sometimes we do uh, complementary programs like uh, for the english speaking students we offer spanish classes and for the students that they don't have any experience in the professional kitchen we offer a start program to support showing those basic skills to to get the rhythm of the program but usually the, the afternoons are free time for them and once a month we go out from the school we do the field trip and we spend the whole day out visiting farmers producers artisans to, to understand where the product comes from how they are running their business why they created this product or this project or we visit restaurants we visit uh, industries companies so Every week is
0: different. <laughs> you said that, for instance, you you gave the example of testing a piece of meat to see what happens to it when you when you cook it at fifty degrees, sixty degrees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that this to me sounds more like scientific experimentation rather than what I would call traditional cooking. So, do the students? do they work in what would look more like a laboratory or a, a, a big kitchen? Or are they sitting at tables with pieces of paper or or is it a bit of everything?
1: As I said, we have different types of scenarios that we call it. We have the professional kitchens, these big kitchens with big fires and the big chimney and with the pots and pans and everything. We have the theater, Rooms where we do more demonstration, where the students can see it, can watch onto the screens closer what's the happening in the kitchen that the teacher or the professional is is showing. They can also approach to that kitchen and get closer to the to the action. And then we have the dynamic rooms where we have these chairs created by IDEO uh, from steel case that with wheels you can move and you can create different uh, dynamics. Okay, usually we always sit in a circle, so we don't call it theory sessions, we call it participative and dynamic sessions, where we put all together in the same level and they discuss and they interact in in a better way. We also have a big room for workshops where we can play, we can sing, we can put tables, we can take the tables out. And we can do a lot of different activities. So during the week, they are going through all these different scenarios. That's what more or less is a pattern. So always the week includes two days, full day in the kitchen, one day in the dynamic rooms, one day in the demonstration rooms. But the content is what changes. And what you said about the scientific approach, we already have scientists teaching in the in the school because as you said uh, most of the processes that we want to teach they have a chemical or physical uh, background that we need to to show and to and to teach so so yes most of the not most but part of the teachings uh, are based on those reactions to help them understand why we put oil and why we put the temperature here and why we do this and why we do that to understand from that understanding they can change the oil they can change the meat they can change the temperature to look for different results and we also want to apply this science not only to the cooking and not only to create a dish but also to understand what you can achieve with different textures if you are able to create a more easy to, to swallow textures, we know that there are some people that, that they have dysphagia, a problem with their um, swallowing. So we can experiment with the scientific and texturizations and different products to help to create uh, food for people that cannot swallow. So we are not only applying the technique to do the the perfect beef at the perfect temperature, we also want to understand where else we can apply it. That's what we call the context, okay? We show them different contexts, we show them to look for techniques and products that solve problems in in those different contexts.
0: I definitely need help with that because whenever I try to cook meat, it always turns up far too chewy. It, it turns like rubber. Uh, and I, I definitely need to learn how to make it so that it disintegrates and is easy to, easy to swallow, definitely. <laughs> okay, so how long has this been going on for? How old is the CIB?
1: Five years
0: just five years so it's really it's just a pre-covid baby then isn't it
1: exactly
0: so congratulations on being part of this amazing new innovative way way of teaching that's fantastic now when you talk about doing new things or things in a new way again i'm going to quote you from the, the website that you have it says to find solutions before others to innovate to do things that no one has done before and look to the future to be the protagonist of change. I mean, this almost sounds like like the beginning of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> this idea of doing new things, in, in the five years that you've been running this, could you actually give us an example of anything that any student has come up with where you thought, wow, that is new?
1: Yeah we create the methodology to be applied to any any subject okay so at the end we focus on helping the students each of them to be a better professional and to be a better person we give them tools we give them knowledge and resources to 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 solve problems and to interact in a professional and in a personal way that's why we do a lot of lateral skills workshops in a transversal way included into the the program. That's also another thing that makes us different from other culinary schools. We put a lot of time in each program to work leadership, team building, uh, public speaking, communication, food photography, decision-making. We do a lot of workshops that are mandatory and that are part of the program because at the end we want and also creativity and innovation right now they are doing a 5 days bootcamp intense very intense where they are putting all the techniques and all the exercises to work to have tools and because at the end we want to prepare them not only to be cooks not only to be chefs or not only to work in a professional kitchen if they don't want rather than to solve problems and rather than to to manage a team, to manage a kitchen, or to create their own project. So right now in this five year we have some students that already created their own restaurant, or we have students that worked with investigation departments, creating new products. So they had clear that they didn't want to be a chef. They wanted the experience that a chef has to apply it in an innovation department of a company to create new products or to create new, new processes. For example, one of our students, the challenge, we work with challenges, we can talk about this later, the evaluation process. We don't do exams, we do the challenges. So in one of those challenges, it was related to sustainability. How can we make the most from one product, the fish, and how we can use all the parts of that product in order to avoid uh, garbage and giving away food. So this student create a, a cracker, a snack, made from the ice, applying a traditional flour that have they have in Brazil, and that they use it for, for different things. So they mixed, and he create a very, very nice uh, cracker that if you don't know that there are fishes, you would enjoy <laughs> it <laughs> <I want. laughs>
0: Yeah, it's strange. I think that there's a lot of different types of food that are very popular. That if you actually knew what was in them, in any specific detail, your enthusiasm for eating them would definitely drop off. Yes. Um, my <laughs> one of my kids' favourite foods is uh, a type of sausage uh, called chistorra, mm-hmm. and I'm sure if if they knew what goes in chistorra. In any great detail, they would very quickly just not eat it. Yes. But anyway, all right. I'm very keen on exploring this idea of learning from challenges. But before we go on to that, you mentioned that some of your students have set up their own restaurant and some have gone into innovation departments. In the five years that you've been doing this, is there a trend of what your your students then move on to? Do most of them go into catering?
1: Another thing that makes our school very different is the type of profiles that we receive. The High Cuisine Chef program is designed to, to support the students from zero experience into the kitchen up to someone that already had four or five years working in the kitchen and they decided to 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 do one step back and to train and to to understand the basics to go two three or four steps forward okay so the program is designed for a, a wide diverse type of profiles and that is what we receive we receive people with no idea of cooking maybe they were we had teachers, we had engineers, we had lawyers that they decided to change careers and that their passion was the kitchen and they want to, to do something different. And we have others that already their family have a restaurant and they want to keep working there and professionalize their, their, their business. So we have so many different profiles that the results that we get from those students when they finish are completely white. We have students that maybe 25% when they finish this program, they want to keep studying with us or other places doing specialization programs. They like to to relearn, they like the experience of learning again and having this, this new understanding and they want to keep doing that some others want they have very clear that before they will do their own restaurant they want to move and to see different restaurants so they are looking for internships or they are looking for uh, short-term jobs in different places to understand different types of kitchens and cuisines and managing uh, examples before they will start moving to to their own project. We have students that they are creating those pop-up restaurants in private places where they cook for a specific dinner or for an event. And this is something that we see growing, right? It's a way of not investing a lot of money to create your own restaurant, but start trying if your ideas, your proposal have uh some attraction so they create those small events pop-ups maybe in restaurants or maybe in other kind of um, environments um to, to to show what's happening during the pandemic time some of those students cooked at home and sell it online and start again trying if the customer was willing to pay for their proposal we have one student that created a uh, Mexican pastry. She started in this way, like for Instagram, selling cakes, cooked at home for their friends. And right now she has uh, a place in Gracia, a very nice pastry shop and, and she is doing, doing well. So the, the results of what our students do at the end is very wide, depending on a lot of different situations. And the, the last thing is that 90% of them came from abroad. So most of them, when they finish, they go back to their countries. And we we lose a little bit of the, of the close contact that we have here because of visa situations, they cannot stay longer. And this is something that we cannot support him. It's a pity because m- most of them would like to to keep here exploring different restaurants or exploring different things. But unfortunately for immigration laws, they cannot (laughs) stay.
0: What sort of range do you have of international students?
1: We have a map in a big wall where we draw a hole for each student that comes to the school. We have uh, a lot of students from South America because of the language. That was the the beginning we we had a lot of students from there after that united states started growing up and right now would be one of the the biggest country or, or region that sends us students northern europe we have some students also coming but also we have uh i'm not sure if right now we have some from Africa someone but we have four we had four students from Africa, Asia we always have students from Asia, India, Bangladesh right now, Australia, New Zealand we had some students Japan, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, uh, Kazakhstan we had 20 students from Kazakhstan, Russia. We had students from the five continents in one call we had one from each continent. It creates it creates a, a an environment, specific environment, a diff, very diverse profile of people with very diverse background of origins and cultures.
0: Let's move on then to this business of challenge. Occasionally, I get into arguments with teachers, uh, and unsurprisingly, and uh, last last week, I got into an argument with a teacher, and she was saying that basically, students need to be able to sit down shut up pay attention and follow the instructions that the teachers tell them and I was explaining my point of view that it's the best way to disengage your student to force them to do something that they're not particularly interested in and she was saying that all of us have to go through life doing things that we don't enjoy and I was saying well that might be your opinion but if I have to do something that I don't enjoy I stop doing it and find something that I do enjoy uh, <laughs> that's just my philosophy on life and I think one of the best ways to get people interested is by giving them a challenge you say look here's a problem what do you think what would you do and allow them just to get on with it So please tell us about your version of challenges in in the CIB.
1: So we started looking for a way to to create an exercise where the students could apply what they had been learning and work in teams. That was the main reason to start experimenting with challenges. And it had been a a four years journey of experimenting, prototyping, and trying, and changing things until now that more or less we have a structure that we can move on. it's more difficult. It takes more time uh, and it needs a lot of effort from the administration part to, to manage everything that is involved, okay? So we design a process where we all the evaluation process is based on challenge. The Hard Cuisine Chef program, it takes eight months into the school plus three on the internship. So during those eight months, they do seven challenge, more or less one per month. And every challenge combines different subjects or topics, always trying to solve a realistic problem. Sometimes it's a real problem where a farmer said that he has a problem trying to sell their uh, chickens. And then we, we look for ways to, to offer a gastronomical proposal, baiting chicken and what they can do differently. And that would be a real scenario. Then we write the description, we write the objective that it's asked for the students. It's important to mention that it's always in teams. So it's a team-based evaluation. And then the student has two days to design a proposal, to look for information, to look for inspiration and to start designing their own proposal. Usually we play with the ingredients, giving them some ingredients and limit them in some others to force them to think differently. And is when we say that we give them the, the, the freedom and the creativity to, to, to do what they want. They have an objective. They have to look for ways to, to, to achieve this objective. So usually the second day of the challenge is when they finish the the cooking and the the preparation, and then they present it to a a small jury formed by the teachers and some other professionals that can join if they are um, experts on that topic, they will join the jury. And they will have a feedback after that presentation regarding how close they were from the objective. Okay. We use grades after that to to help to understand where they are, but we put all the focus on the feedback that we that we give to the student. We do oral oral feedback after the presentation and then we do a written feedback after the, the report is, is presented. That would be a, a summary.
0: Do you have any particular favorite challenges that you give your students or, or are, are they? often just different ones
1: usually we we have uh like 10 design challenges and we we change some of them for every call to not repeat it exactly the same but every challenge is completely different so the the basic the most basic challenge the challenge number one is based in one product what can you do with one product for example carrots and then It's amazing how after two months of being at the school, some of them never cooked in a a professional environment like this. They create amazing dishes, salt dishes, sweet dishes, desserts, drinks made from just one product. It's amazing the result. And then the, the following challenge got more complicated and asked them more and more things taking into account the packaging, taking into account the experience where they will be serving those products or the, the thing got complicated.
0: What do you do with all this food that you prepare? Do you, do you have a, like a, an open day on a Friday <laughs> afternoon where everybody comes and has has dinner together and you do a big banquet or they just take it all home?
1: No, they, 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 they take it at home. They eat it, so it's their lunch. And if there is something left over, they take it at home. Unfortunately, there is a very strict law with the food for hygienic and security reasons that we cannot give away to NGOs or to other places the the food. If you are not a restaurant or a place that already has all the things that needs to be aligned to to do that. But usually the, the students eat the food and if there is any left over, they take it home.
0: You explained at the very beginning that you've got a wide range of experiences from learning that you worked as a primary school teacher. You had your gap year where you travelled the world. That you got your uh, PhD in uh, the field of education. Uh, uh, you did a year in Team Labs, which uh, we we interviewed Dinoa from Team Labs a few months ago. Yeah. I'd imagine that this is giving you like a a palette, a range of experiences that you can dip into to create the academic courses of the Institute. Are there any particular experiences where you think, yes, that is really important, that has to be part of the CIB?
1: Ah, I'm not sure if there is any specific thing. Uh what I really learned on those years is that, as more vivid or as more experiential you can get into the the sessions, are more connected with the reality of the students, more interest they would show and more engaged they would be in in the different sessions. Right now even in the context that i explained we have some students that prefer to spend some time watching the the cell phone or browsing instagram or doing whatever so we are always looking for ways to to keep this engagement and to 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 balance we don't want to provide uh, cell phones into the class we we allow them and we we use them as as a part of uh, the technology enhancement that you can have. But we still are fighting with this, struggling with this part that we thought that creating this environment would be more engaging and would be more participative. Even doing all of that, we see that some students are used to other type of uh, training, and they don't want to ask questions. If you don't ask me, I will not say anything and I feel more comfortable with my phone doing my things and like watching a movie and that's that's all, no?
0: I do recognize that in, in the range of student mentalities, the majority of students do prefer to be engaged Uh, be allowed to have a certain amount of freedom to to take decisions and to to follow their interests but i i do recognize that there's a small i think a relatively small proportion where there are particular types of of student that prefers to do what they're told and not have to think they just like to follow instructions It, 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 it keeps them in their comfort zone Think, exactly. so they, get a bit, they get a bit worried if they have to say what well, I have to I have to imagine I have to do it for myself oh, oh my god how does that work
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly. uh,
0: do you have any typical problems that you have to deal with regularly as academic director
1: the typical problems should be the the change in the schedules because some teachers, as I said, most of them, they are professionals, that at some point they will have a, a more important meeting or a more important event that they have to, to cancel or to move their session to another um, place. And it really creates a conflict because then we have to move another teacher for this place and this place to this day to another day. Uh, and This is a, a struggling, Situation in every in in our everyday routines. How we can keep the programs uh, confirmed with the availability of so wide range of different professionals. We have more than one hundred different teachers in, for this program. So making sure that everyone can come when when it's decided to go to do it's difficult. And the other part is the. Mm the students part, the students part is always requiring, demanding our attention. We started last year a collaboration with Goodman Institute that supports us with the students that we detect that they have uh, mental issues or mental needs. That would be the, the, the hardest situation for one student when they are struggling mentally and then we need to the help of the specialists to support them, but without going to that extreme, we see some students that they are a little bit lost in terms of uh, commitment, responsibility, uh, punctuality, and that also takes our our time, our ener- energy <laughs> during our days to to try to to talk to them, to understand what's happening, to support them and to help them to, to take the most from the program, because at the end they had coming here, some of them they are paying by themselves, some of them are their parents who pay the money and we want to make sure that they take the most from the from the program. And this part takes, takes us uh, time and energy to, to support those students that are a little bit more <laughs> Uh, when
0: you, when you say that some of the students pay for the pay for the course themselves, what's the age spread?
1: As I mentioned before, in this wide range of students, we had students from eighteen is the minimum age for our school, and the older student that we had was seventy four. So we had already three retired people that decided that their they retirement their life project would be studying a culinary school. So the range of ages is awesome. This also creates uh, different situations into the school because they have to work together for challenges and for all the activities. So there are people that already had a career and they had their own money and they had been successful in their own careers. We had, we were talking about Bill Gates. We had a senior manager from Microsoft that decided to do this course so it's people that they have the conditions to pay for the program and they decide to spend one or two years doing this this training
0: what are your culinary skills like <laughs> uh, do, do you get home and you think oh God, I, i'm just gonna make myself a sandwich
1: <laughs> they improved they improved in the last five years and for coincidence, at home I am the responsible for the food and the and the shopping of the of the food. And I am always looking for different ways to surprise my family and to do things differently. I really like to do my own pizza on on Sundays evening. Uh I'm like to do some vegetable soups. And I have the the opportunity to ask. My teachers, oh, how do you do this and this and why are you putting this? So I, I, at least I am interested. I'm not so skilled. I am not doing these beyonders uh, and these meat things and these uh, slow cookings. I do basic things but at least i am interested in learning different different things and why they are using the things that they, they
0: because you have you have a couple of kids is that right
1: yes yes
0: right how old are they 6
1: and 9
0: 6 and 9 right and so you you cook for them exactly do they appreciate the effort that you put into cooking for them
1: yeah we work as a family to to be thankful for a lot of things and part of this also in a table we say thank you for the one that cooked the the food as a, a ritual or as a ceremony yeah
0: <laughs> my kids um, three or four months now I interviewed Christopher Pomrenning from mm-hmm. Learn Life yes. and the the interview was so inspiring that my kids now go to mm-hmm. to Learn Life and one of the things is that they now have to take and prepare their own meals at lunchtime. And this this is a real learning experience for them that they have to start planning what food they need to be able to take Mm -hmm. to prepare their own lunch. Mm -hmm. And that's, I've I've seen it with my own eyes, the learning process from a child who thought food just miraculously appears on a table when you're hungry Mm -hmm. to, ah, tomorrow, I want to prepare uh, even if it's just a sandwich they mm-hmm. think right in that case I will need bread I will need ham I will need cheese etc etc and just that logical planning there is is proven to be a real learning experience for them mm-hmm. so they are starting to appreciate when food appears on the table mm-hmm. Right. And do you experiment with your kids in the same way that, that your students experiment at the
1: Institute? No, and it's a thing that I that I leave as a, a contradiction, because uh, I realized one day that my son was asking if he could mix, uh, I, I don't know what type of food he was eating with the soup. And I said, no, 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 you will not put this onto the soup. And after that, I realized, why are you telling not to mix this if he's trying to? So it's amazing how we are mentally restrict to don't do things that it's supposed to. Uh, it's amazing. So I am working with my students to, to help them to do these challenges and to do these complex things and to be creative. And at night to my son, I say, no, no, don't mix. This onto the soap, or then put this thing onto the meat mi- onto the milk. It's like, wow. <laughs> so I am learning.
0: <laughs> Final question. If you got one key message for our listener, based on your experience at, at the the CIB, what would that key message be?
1: I would say to put the focus on the learning and the learner because sometimes we are so worried about what we want to teach what we want to show and what we want to explain that we miss that the our objective is that the other side and the 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 group of people that we are sharing some some experience that they will understand and then they will be using those informations and those skills to do something so i would really recommend to to put the focus on making sure that the other is understanding and is being able to use this information and to apply it to somewhere else rather than making sure that from here to here and all the slides that you wanted to explain are covered in the time frame that you had for for your session right because it's uh, our objective should be making sure that they will be using this information and that we are supporting them.
0: If anybody wants more information about the Institute or about yourself, where should they go to?
1: Okay. They can check our website, cib.education. That's a short URL for the website. They can come to visit us. We are always open to show the school, to share what we do and how we do it. We are in La Verneda, Carre Santander 49. And we are always uh, open to to show and to share our experiences. And with me, they can contact by LinkedIn or by Twitter, F. (laughs) Well,
0: I will put those links in the show notes. Francesc, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. I will never look at crackers now without thinking of fish eyes. <laughs> we didn't talk
1: so, about insects. I oh, we didn't talk about day. insects. For oh next g- time.
0: Next, ta- <laughs> next time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna go there. I don't wanna go there. Right. <laughs> All the best with your continuing growth of the CIB. Thank you very much. Thank